Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Star Trek for the very first time. My name is Jake. With me are those couples, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, except for Jill. And Terry, the producer, is here too. No Jill this week. She's getting drunk with her work friends. <laughs> she's... By, the, by that I mean she has a work event tonight. <laughs> she's, at, she's at a conference all week. Yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll catch her thoughts on Mac or Terry next time. Yeah, that's what Jake said. Getting drunk with her work friends. Conference. Yeah. Same. Interchangeable. Same diff. <laughs> All right. This week we're here to talk about The Macra Terror, written by Ian Stewart Black, directed by John Davies, aired March 11th through April the 1st, 1967. Before we begin, it is everybody's favorite part of the podcast, Cody's 42nd. Plot synopsis. Underbark, get to go. All right. In the first episode, we <laughs> see our friends land in a dystopian world. You don't know anything except for everybody sucks, and you learn about everybody and how everybody's in their place. And that's the end. Of episode one. Well done. Okay, we get to episode two, and it, it turns out the dystopia place is trying to brainwash you. There's no macro. The macro doesn't exist, so we don't know about the macro. And then uh, we get to the end of episode two. And they're like, "You better show your face, Mister Guy." And then they show the dude's face, and then they murder him in front of him. And the other guy's like, "You see, he's great, and he's our leader. Now get the fuck into the pits." <laughs> Episode time. three. Two, two, <laughs> two seconds ago was time. Uh, I was, um, if you can't tell, Cody's been sick all week. So a little low energy. Oh, man, Cody's all our energy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Cody, if you would be so kind, I have a question for you. There was a poll taken in 2013 by Doctor Who Magazine ranking all the Doctor Who episodes out of 156 classic stories. Where do you think this one fell? I'm going to give you a hint. This animation did not come out for six more years. 100 and 48. <laughs> all right. Sam. The whole animation not coming out really messes with my uh, wanting to vote on this thing. I'm going to put it 80. Alex? I'll go 62 there, Alex. You're Alex? I know. <laughs> Terry? I'm with Sam. The Not having the animation and just the audio, I'm just trying to remember everything with it, and I think it's going to be not as exciting without it. I'm going to say 125. Um, what'd you say, Sam? 80? I think you win. It's 96. Get wrecked! <laughs> <laughs> Up seven from the 35th anniversary poll. I'll be really interested to see where it falls 
afterwards because I think people like this yeah, one, it and I think be they like really top twenty. It's great. I think they really like the animation. It's all yeah. amazing, Jake. Spoilers. Greatest well, episode thus far. The animation was oh, incredible. Oh boy. Like it was, it was really good. I think Jill is going to be sad she missed this one. <laughs> the story was interesting. The it was all good. Everything Slow down so there, good. big hoss. <laughs> <laughs> We've been looking for a nickname for Sam for a long time, and I think we just found one. <laughs> Big Hoss. All right, Cody, your rebuttal. Uh, she's wrong. And <laughs> that wasn't my numerical opinion based off of the animation. It was based off of the pictures I looked up of the macra in the original. <laughs> and the audio in which I heard yeah. was just all fucking terrible. Yeah, so a big chunk of the scene where Polly is attacked does exist. So on the Blu-ray, they have like a forty-second like cut up where they do have the some of the scene. They only had one macra. It was it didn't have legs. <laughs> it didn't move very well. And uh, the director was real mad when it came back from the puppet factory because <laughs> they spent 500 pounds on it. Ooh. And uh, their their budget for like a whole episode is like 2,500. <laughs> and they're, uh, you know, that the animation gives the vision that maybe the writer had in mind. Yeah, I think I think the animation carries this if you watch it animation wise i can't imagine it would have been good irl like watching it week to week i'm so excited to see i'm gonna go back and watch the rest of that on the blu-ray because when polly was getting picked up i looked at her and i was like how did they do this irl because <laughs> there's not. no way it looked like this no i think right. they were too puritan with the audio they needed to cut some of that audio they needed to let it go the first time in any animated episode where I was like, the OG audio makes this worse. What do you mean? There's constantly just inexplicable noises that's not part of the animation. And it yeah. really ruins the ambiance. I think that... your tinnitus is kicking in. It's not. It's like <laughs> literally people moving. And then the scenes where like people were being killed or drug around were like nonsensical. And the animators really tried. But, we, I mean, we're going to, spoiler alert, the, this is the first four of a 17-episode run of all animated stories. So, uh, you're going to see this a lot. There's a lot of times where, like, they just know what the, di like, they have the audio, they have the scripts, but they don't know, or they don't have, like, the people moving. And, but they leave those noises in, and a lot of times you'll just see a character just standing there. And like wait, waiting until the audio picks back up. The one part where I would definitely agree th with that is in the elevator. He'll and like breaking the boards down from in front of the elevator and then getting in and then standing there doing nothing, but there's still noise. <laughs> well, there's there's another like really big one when he's uh, disarming the like hypnosis machines in the bedroom. They all of the companions were sleeping in different rooms so there's like huge space in between going through all of those and they just kind of leave that space in and just show him like rubbing his hand on the wall for a little while 
It's like, <laughs> where is this thing? Like they did, they could have made it like dark. So he was like searching with his hands because he couldn't see, but they didn't. It's super well lit. It looks like it's the middle of the day and he's just rubbing his hand along the wall. <laughs> I don't care. It was still great. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the those audio things, uh, letting that ruin the whole thing for you is a little... A little pedantic. But... Oh, are you assuming that's what ruined it for me? And then calling oh, me pedantic for it? <laughs> no, I said if that was the reason you it would be pedantic, but please mm. continue. Oh, look at this backstep shuffle that we got going on right here. <laughs> the Vakra is just crabs, dude. Giant crabs. It's just crabs. That show me a crab that looks like that. Like legitimately the once again. The animators, holy shit, carried <laughs> this so well. But they're crabs with headlights for eyes. <laughs> and audio stings when they light up. Yeah. They talk in deep, booming British voices. Why do yeah. they have <laughs> compartmental eyes and are just also crabs? Well, the original script had them as spiders. And then... The, sh the producer thought it might be a little too much like the Zarbi. So then they were just like insects. And then they're like, well, how about crabs? Nailed it. First try. It's so <laughs> yes. I'm, I don't hate this episode. I think I just said that. Like I, I gave it a low rating because of the OG shooting of it. The audio that mm -hmm. we had here really took away from the animation. So a lot of the scenes that we were able to see in the animation were just, I mean, they use the same audio. So when you represent that without the animation, it just, I couldn't fathom it being incredibly impressive. Like one, I saw the picture of the macra and two, how are you going to do that with puppets in the sixties? So you're and like judging drag this? people across the floor. There is a, a suspension of disbelief <laughs> that you need to maintain. And if you remove that suspension of disbelief, you might as well just be pretending to watch a show somewhere. Like, it's not a nice story. <laughs> I have a really high standard for these things. So you're judging this based on the original filming of it and not what we actually watched. Yeah, because he asked me about Thing and then he explicitly told me, remember, the animation wasn't out at this time. But we're talking about our podcast. <laughs> okay oh do you want to know like how I thought about the thing as a whole the animation is really I'm like I'm super torn in two different directions this this is this is literally gold like this has the the feelings of being the best episode of old who that we've seen so far this is who monster have we had a who monster before um, I, I mean, if you count the Cybermen, the Daleks, the Zarbi. Okay, uh, I don't even know what the Zarbi are. I They're suppose the like the bugs. Web planet. It's, I, I don't really count Daleks and Cybermen because they're just, but, but yes, that's, I mean, that's an answer. This is like a legitimate one-off monster. Okay, is that the macro that they used? It's a two-off monster. What? Is that the macro they used? Oh, the picture you just put in? Yeah. Because that looks like. You know, uh, it, no. uh. that they create like um, 
parades and just make floats that looks like a homemade float in a parade yeah i don't know if it was even that good (laughs) oh no oh no well in in the shot you can't see the whole thing like at once the shot that exists is really dark yeah the the, like the picture i saw was them dragging polly yeah it's like it's like your sixth episode we've done with polly (laughs) it's time to learn her name She's just had to act her goddamn brain out, I'm sure. Whenever we start a new episode, since it's every other week, I'm like, who's this chick again? And I don't remember <laughs> until they say her name. Well, a little tough in this one because they begin the story with her having a completely different hairdo. Oh, I was yeah. wondering I about that. I was like, that. is this that the animation that makes her look like a completely different person? So when they first arrive at the station... Um, they, they offer them like the refreshment center or whatever the hell it's called to get like massages and, you know, glow ups pretty much. Mm -hmm. So in the story, they go there, they cut that out of the animation entirely. They go there, they get cleaned up, they get new clothes and Polly gets a haircut and they just completely left that out. I'm guessing, well, they... I've heard that it was to save money on the animation. I'm guessing they didn't want to have two character models for Polly. So they oh. just start the they just start the story with her having a haircut. Why have her have a haircut at all? If you're it's not gonna be a part of the story, just leave <laughs> it out. Just have her have her long hair. Yeah. But if you see stills like the recons, there she's gonna have the short hair, so then you gotta be like, well Right, but the animation is meant to stand on its own as its own thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's super weird choice. Do it or don't do it. <clears throat> is this the same animation studio i don't know the answer to that i haven't like really dug into the animation studios i heard because like the one we watched last week came out like seven years before this one did so this one's like pretty new it came out in um like 2019 hmm. whereas like um the one of the first ones we did, like the uh, Reign of Terror, came out in like oh seven, and it, this came out like with the, you know, when they were selling these, and they'd already done a couple, and with the intent of releasing a Blu-ray at the same time, and like a steelbook and all that shit. So a little more effort. Yeah, they have skills, like real animation skills. <laughs> But still, like, if you watch, there's a lot of times where they're clearly having, like, three plates on top of each other. Like, when they're outside, there's, like, the background plate, the plate that's the clouds that are just moving that they've made in After Effects, and then the plate that's the character that's actually moving. And uh, so they're still doing it, like, way on the cheap, but especially when you have an actor like Patrick Troughton, just putting a little effort into facial movements, like, makes absolutely every bit of difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt yeah. with the with the bad guys that helped too cuz you can kind of see them scheming yeah. when it's silent. Yeah. Some really good bad guys here. Absolutely horrifying. The macro are horrifying. <laughs> I met like the security guard. Yeah. I think is awesome. Like the chief of security guy, he's great. Olar? Uh, is that what it just is? Just a perfect Ola. look for like for like 60s like just dirtbag bad guy. Which yeah, I'm kind of really happy that he never got into like full power until like near the end, but even then he didn't really get to do anything with it. Terry's happy the good guys won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kinda I'm kind of in the same boat as Cody though, because like 
I remember first watching this because this is my second time seeing it. I was blown away by the animation. I really like the story. But then watching it a second time, like, the story is just them fucking around. And then they didn't even, like, it kind of seemed like the Doctor was on a, like, a, like a mystery solving. But everyone else was just doing whatever, like, just living in the space. And yeah. there wasn't, like, a, I don't know. It didn't seem, like, the story didn't seem like it was a Doctor Who episode. Like, it didn't have direction, seemed like. Like, it was just an environment oh, with with controllers and then they they ended up overthrowing it at the end i love how all the companions got split up they all had their own storyline and i think that added a lot to um the doctor whoiness of it yeah i'm gonna disagree with you there alex i think um they all i mean this is how doctor who works the doctor either teams up with a local or goes off on their own, and then the companions integrate themselves into the story, and then they always meet together at the end. Like, that's every episode of Doctor Who. I'm going yeah. to agree with Alex, because this is a four-episode <laughs> serial, and literally they wrap it up in, like, the last ten minutes, where finally we've reached a common goal amongst everybody in the show, and the plot is understood. Oh, you mean the macro die, and then they're no longer brainwashed? For, that seems pretty easy to well, wrap you it can't, up. Please describe television. You can't <laughs> get behind some of the actions of the people. So they're brainwashed. In the first episode, there's just as completely blatant. There is no macro. The macro don't exist. So you, as a person, you're like, okay, that's weird. And then in the second episode, you see clearly. And obviously, that the who's the main person, the controller, the pilot, the, the no, sorry. not no. the pilot, the controller. Yeah, controller. That the controller is one murdered by these fucking crabs, and two, not the one actually issuing the orders. And everybody's like, "Yeah, so there you go. That's our controller. They're brainwashed. Fine. I don't know why this is not." They're brainwashed. That's the point of, like, the controls that the doctor ripped apart and prevented them from becoming brainwashed like everyone else. Okay. Well, nobody was on board. It was just Jamie running around like a crazy man, trying not to die in the <laughs> caves after he was punished. Yeah, I love for... Jamie in this episode. It's... I love how Jamie, in, and you'll see this a lot in these stories, just, like, gets to work. Wherever they <laughs> land, someone's like, hey, you want a job? And he's like, yeah, I fucking love working. <laughs> <laughs> and so there, there's this, uh, you know, one guy who's, like, broken the, uh, the mind control. So they all think he's crazy. Mm -hmm. He hangs, he's, you know, the doctor has to discover him, get him on their team, passes him off to the, to Jamie who, you know, leads an escape with him. Polly kind of vacillates between being the doctor's assistant and going down and being a foil for Ben or Jamie to save. And Ben gets uh, brainwashed and is basically a bad guy for half of the story. Like, er everyone is fully involved in the story the entire time. Yeah, it's great. That is that is one thing that is absolutely terrifying In is, like, awakening from being brainwashed and you see everyone else is being controlled 
but then you're the crazy one and like thrown into jail and like that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can't even test for insanity because if you say no, that's not how it is. They're like, well, you're crazy then. It's like, well, aren't you crazy? Like, how are it's you like believing this? Days of the witches. <laughs> or like being a math genius in ancient Greece. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, was there the uh, the writer of this story? He also wrote the War Machines, and I don't know if you remember that story very well, but it involves a lot of uh, brainwashing by using computers. And in that one, Polly gets brainwashed. Ben goes to find her, and she somehow fights through it enough to like not tell on him when he escapes. And then in this one. Ben is brainwashed. The others are going around, and somehow Ben manages to fight through just enough to save Polly, <laughs> which is attacked by the Macra, and just enough to not tell anybody when Jamie steals those keys and escapes. So this guy, Ian Stewart Black, really has a a storytelling <laughs> device that he's a big fan of. Mm -hmm. Hey, it works. Instead of uh, Wotan and the War Machines just, you know, crashing through stacks of boxes, it's giant crabs. <laughs> <laughs> the music I really like the music <laughs> no. and I, I, I loved that the doctor made fun of like the terrible rhymes and stuff that they were doing because then it's like all of these songs had to have been written by crabs or something oh, <laughs> oh so you're talking, talking about the songs about in the, the camp yeah like the little the diegetic yeah. music is that what it is diegetic the hell is diegetic? I've never heard that word. I, I think it means like music in in like a show or a movie that's part of like it, like the people in the story can hear it too. Like it's mm -hmm. in in the show. Like when people are driving a car and all, like you hear a song and all of a sudden the car turns off and the song stops or you stuff like that. Mm. Oh, well, these people are singing it with their mouths. Okay, the ending where they're rehearsing the chant oh my god also hilarious <laughs> i got i got major like oh, that Walmart was so good vibes. like one two three yeah. four i obey the overlord mm -hmm. <laughs> i worked <laughs> i worked for pepsi for years and i had to go i had to be at walmart at like seven in the morning yeah. when they're starting shifts and the, yeah when they all get in their circle and do like their chants <laughs> and their claps and everything it's fucking terrifying terry do you guys do that no we gave that up Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're the Lutherans to the Walmart's <laughs> Christians. Terry's disappointed about it. He has like 12 rhymes tucked away in his back pocket for <laughs> the day the they claps. bring it back. Fucker loves clapping. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get enough. Well, that's because he can clap with one hand. Yeah. And he would and he would hand jive <laughs> like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, working with Terry would be insufferable. Oh my god, I make a career out of just <laughs> tripping people that hand jive. <laughs> I, I, I listened to a few podcasts this week um, talking about Macro Terror, and in one of them, they said that the person who did like the incidental music, which is pretty like jaunty and weird, uh, that was just like on spec. Like they're, they were hired to just, I, I think it was Delia Derbyshire too. They, this person also said they made the Doctor Who theme. They're hired to just make incidental music with no context. Like, hey, just make some some music for us that we can put on any stuff we want. We just want to have it in the vault. And they're like, oh, let's dust this off and just throw it onto a show. It worked. 
I don't remember the random music. Other than the it, jingles. See, it was like up it was upbeat, but weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They used a ton of the same, like, soundboard effects. Like, some dude on a synth. You and the synth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, lots of synth stuff. There's this huge synth in this one, man. Like, every time there was, like, a horror scene, it was the same, like, long, drawn-out synth note. And then the surprise. (laughs) How do you guys feel that this... TARDIS team. We've got a three-person team for the first time in a while. Stacks up to our OG team, Ian, Babs, and Susan. Well, Susan's off the table. (laughs) Dang. Yeah. (laughs) This episode, I feel, is so far... Is this the first episode we've seen that Jamie was written into? Um... Yeah. In in his in his opinion on or Fraser Hines' opinion in a lot of interviews, he kind of says like this is the first one that he's properly in. And uh, in in other interviews I've seen, everyone was really into um, the actor that plays Ben. Fuck, blanking. Anybody? Uh, one and just his uh, his acting ability, being able to be the bad guy in this one and kind of for that i michael craze yep um kind of for that i wish we had the actual story because he is like really doing a performance here and annika wills like who's obviously worked very closely with them we only get these stories from her point of view because he passed in the 80s um was like blown away by him and just like kind of without saying saying like i'm the pretty face in the show he's like a real actor (laughs) and it was it was great yeah this is the first episode with the three of them that i really feel it was well put together yeah i i would think i would say that the three of them are probably more effective individually than the the three like ian barbara and susan ever were i agree with that too yeah because otherwise, like, you'd have the normal stuff of, like, Babs or Susan would end up having to get coffee halfway through the episode, and, like, you'd just never see him again. And, yeah, and sometimes they still, like, can't help but have Polly just, like, screaming and being rescued, like, when she's attacked by the macro. <laughs> but they do, they do have two guys instead of two women, so they, they're writing at least two-thirds of them more involved and more action-y, and now... You know, Polly is, you know, not a mid-30s teacher. She's a 21-year-old it girl. And so she's, like, getting in there and doing stuff. And, uh, you know, when when they do manage to actually give her something to do, she's great. Well, and Polly being taken in this episode made sense because it was only her and Ben with the macra, and Ben didn't believe in the macra, so obviously. Right. Jamie fucking beat a macra, bro. <laughs> With a <laughs> stick, like a stick? <laughs> waving that stick around. Well, Just this story them. begins with you know it's straight off of the moon base, so the boys are like revved up, and Jamie jumps out of the TARDIS. They also saw a picture of a claw, and Polly screamed in the TARDIS because she's the girl, and so <laughs> Jamie jumps out of the TARDIS with a stick again, and he's ready to fight, 
And then Ben kind of makes fun of him, but then Ben sees a man and just goes ham on him. Just <laughs> it tackles him and starts like handcuffing him. Like the, these two are just ready to fucking go. The bloodlust endures. Mm-hmm. It is real. The Ian vibe stayed on the TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just being there gets you revved up. <laughs> It's got that TARDIS energy. Hey, you guys want some tweets? Yeah, I'll take yes. a tweet or two. James Swift at James Swift 95 says, A very good story that shows the fear of mind control very well. It's kind, It kind of dips in the middle, but it's 60s who, and that's something I feel for most of them. I also really enjoyed the animation style. Nice. Animation style is so good. You're so right. I don't yeah. think it had a dip this whole, this whole series. Well, I think based on the moments Stop we've talked a series, about, Sam. you can call it a story. <laughs> uh huh. She gets eleven hundred more before she gets to how many times you did it before I yelled at you. Uh, but based on the moments we've talked about, we're kind of like accidentally in agreement because we haven't really mentioned the middle bits at all. The whole thing was great. Um. Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie says, it's been a while since I've seen this. Been a while. There you go. <laughs> I had I got a tweet from Matt at the Dealer Time of the Space podcast who said, hey, you missed a, it's been a while. Oh, no. Uh, and he gave me a timestamp. <laughs> he goes, but don't worry, I, I did it in my car. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matt. We that's, appreciate you. That's a real one right there. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm going to have to watch Torchwood Season 2 just to keep up with them now. Fuck. they're so good to us Uh, it's been a while since I've seen this but from what I remember it's a real good story and the animation lends itself to doing so much more than the limits of the time allowed the original recording to do before I move on with this tweet that's something I meant to say Alex and I bring this point up all the time especially when we used to do Brothers the the animations that have no existing episodes can do whatever they want And this is the one we always point to as like, there's no fucking way a single scene looked like it did in this animation. Like these giant warehouse size rooms that they're in all the time and the macro, of course, and all that. I've complained about that in the past as being something I don't like because I want the real episodes. Like, unlike Cody, I like the janky sets and the shitty production like that gets me into it. But this animation is really well done and does make this story maybe better than it would have been, as we can tell by where it ranks on those polls. So I'm torn. I I, I am of two minds. What do you guys think? Don't change anything. It was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was interesting. I was singing oh. the song Torn in my head. Same. <laughs> Same. I wanted Natalie to echo it the song Torn. Torn. I, no, I don't know the words, no. but it's like, my friend, I'm torn. I'm yeah, that's the Natalie Abruia song. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh my goodness. Uh, you're welcome, listeners. That won't be leaving your head anytime soon. I. So, yeah, go ahead. I, I think... Uh, with the full animation, it brings the story more to life, but I can understand your appreciation for how it originally was done. Like, I'm always a fan of when we have original episodes mixed in with the animation, just so you can see how it was. But 
when it's a story it, like it this. It forces the animators to like to mimic or you know yeah. be the same as the story. That's which I don't know could be bad. Interesting, right? Because they use the audio, but in the animation they like reimagined the show. Yeah. Which right. yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. They they should But probably... also like I'm sure like the writer when he's thinking this up is imagining this giant complex and these huge monsters and like this great epic story that there isn't a chance in fucking hell it's ever going to be realized and they just do the best they can with what they have so it, does that make it more true because it's maybe matches the writer's vision a little more call the writer <laughs> i don't think he's alive <laughs> All right. um sam you like this a lot are, do you really want to see like the original like if they found it tomorrow and release it on DVD, would you watch it and be excited? Or would you, are you like, it's perfect how it is? I feel like I would be disappointed in it, probably. But already having the story and liking it, maybe it would just be like, and I'd watch it. A fun little additional <laughs> yes. thing. Yeah. So this might be weird, but I would be endlessly excited if they found the actual episode. That would be, be a really, Andy. really cool comparison. Just to be like, well, okay, it, because we watched the animation first. Did you guys watch it in black and white or color? Color. In color. I also Terry did, and I did black and white. Mm -hmm. That's because you're geriatric and silly. Maybe the color <laughs> added some excitement to it as well, because... <laughs> no, I liked it. I mean, I was super excited for this one. I told Alex, like, just nothing but bangers coming up. Yeah. But uh, we we watched the color last when we did it for Brothers and Who. So I was like, oh, I'll just do the black and white just to mix it up. Alex almost watched the recons because they the official BBC recons are on the Blu-ray. Yeah, I did not. I almost. <laughs> are the recons the one with just like the pictures? Still images? Yep. Just oh. the pictures. So if you want a little taste of that on the Blu-ray, they... They mash together like 50 seconds of Polly being attacked and they do it with stills and then a little bit of like the actual footage they have. So you get a little taste of what it would be like to watch it that way. Is it in the episode or is that like a separate? It, it's in the special features. It's okay. on disc two. I want a Doctor Who silent film episode. Where they oh, just, just turn the volume down. They just like act. No, no, no. <laughs> you need the sliding parts with the information. Oh, yeah. Where they're there like. Oh no, a macra, and then it's just a picture of a macra. <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't you need like a crazy piano going the entire yeah. time? Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. It, See it now, be, that's yeah. a special or, disbelief that could be. Or a it would synth. be gunslingers. <laughs> It'd be gunslingers all over again. They used to do it for <laughs> long ass movies. They could do it. Um, I need that saloon style piano. <laughs> yep. You know, when RTD brought the show back, he wanted to capture the feel of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities in that those first couple seasons. Buffy did fun stuff like a silent episode and like a musical episode and stuff like that. It's amazing to me that we've had Doctor Who back for, uh, what, 18 years now? And they haven't done anything like that to really just... I mean, it's a box that can go absolutely anywhere you tell me you can't come up with a reason to have a musical episode i don't know Grey's anatomy did that and they should not have has it do I we have a doctor and a companion that can sing 
they're all from British theater. They all could sing. Uh... Yeah, I actually agree with that. <laughs> I think musicals light fires underneath the hated, like people with a lot of hate <laughs> in them. It makes them really vocal. If you ask everyone's favorite episode of Buffy, half of them are going to say the musical episode, and half of them are going to say the silent episode. Yes, I was just going to say, I've seen all of Buffy, and I think the silent one was created out of spite because all of the haters of Buffy were like, well, yeah, he's a good he's a good writer. He can write dialogue. So he just made he made an episode that has zero dialogue, and it's fucking incredible. <laughs> You're exactly right. That's exactly what happened. That's the petty I <clears throat> envy. I want, so come on, Moffat. <laughs> Instead of writing your your all women can speak a thousand miles an hour, write one that can do it all without talking. Boom. Show your depth and your breadth. <laughs> Alright, let's get back to Ollie's tweet. Um Oh, I I knew this was gonna come up. I'm willing to bet all the money I have that you guys d- didn't notice that there's a new title sequence. Yeah, I no, I was I, so God, excited, Jake. Damn it. I was going to talk about that, but I assumed it was just specific to the DVD. You're and like, liars. Obviously, like, they didn't have this title sequence. We were on the couch, the and I just started slapping Cody. I was like, it's the thing. It's the thing. And then his, <laughs> Look at his face. Up, but it's animation, so it doesn't blend well. And then I was like, they did it animated because it's an animated. Ep-. I was so excited, Jake. <laughs> so they did really change it. They did really put his face in. His face will be in for the rest of Classic Who. The fact that they did it animated style for the animated just, I don't know why I love that so much. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, like, (laughs) because they do have episodes that exist and the title sequence is the same, like, they could just put it in the real one. And whenever it's animated, they don't. They animate that too. It's amazing. They animate the fucking title I don't get it. I love but, it. Uh, they also had a uh, big air quotes cold open and then went into the like the the title sequence, which normally it's first, right? In my fun facts, when I read off the stuff they change in the animation, that's something they changed in the animation. Oh, bummer. Um, <laughs> the so everyone knows the story, but you guys will like it. The person who came up with the idea of putting the doctor's face in the credits or in the opening title, did it with Hartnell, and um, Verity Lambert's side was like, ah, it's terrifying. Because <laughs> it was William Hartnell's face, and That's he's a scary bastard. so rude. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, don't do that. And then, now, Ennis Lloyd is the producer, and so the guy who did it was like, Oh, hey, I had this idea once, like, and he's like, yeah, that's fucking dope, but it's Patrick Troughton's face now. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, let's do that. And the song arrangement's also new, but it didn't uh, go into effect until the second episode. Because ah. they screwed up and forgot to put it in. Oh. <laughs> Yikes. They need to do Big. an episode where Oof. they uh, where they use Alex's version. It's top notch. <laughs> <laughs> My it's version's like, played out. <laughs> and it's like an eighth of the song. Perfect. So more, much time more, more time for show. More time for episode. You just, keep, you just keep looping it. Yeah, that's it. All right, Ollie's tweet continues. The new title sequence is instantly iconic. Ben's brainwashing and him overcoming it is predictable, but it's still well handled. And Jamie is so much funnier, especially the Highland fling scene, which is still funny. <laughs> it's not okay, the most. Ab- that was really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's. I just finish his off real quick. It's not the most important classic story, but it's still a lot of fun and an interesting companion to Gridlock. Very excited to hear what you think. So yes, the Jamie dancing scene's great. We already kind of talked about like the cheerleading scene. 
or that leads into that. Mm-hmm. But what you guys missed out on that they took out of the animation is that they the last scene of the of the story is them dancing out of frame to leave because <laughs> every you know everyone's like oh hey let's fucking party and the doctor's like oh shit let's get out of here they they do what Jamie did like they kind of fake dance to get out of there well they had mentioned that they were gonna vote for someone new at the end of the animated episodes that was weird it was just like. They're going to vote you in as pilot and then a zoom out of the place that they're at. Well, he says, let's get out of here. It was weird. Just show them leaving like like normal. Let's skedaddle, guys. <laughs> and Polly. Yeah, I, in New Who, there's a lot of like saying goodbye to the people they met along the way. And in Classic Who, they're just like ghosted. <laughs> Every episode. Kind of leads to the mystique, though. Like it, I, I, I almost, totally. I almost kind of prefer that than like a big, big hug goodbye type thing. Yeah, but then it also leads into a lot of like new, new who writers using it as like a flaw of the Doctor, and you know, um, you know, people chewing him out when he finishes an adventure and just leaves, but isn't there for the cleanup and it ruins stuff, like in um, the end of season one. And stuff like uh, the woman who died or the girl who died and the doctor being like, I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to get in my box. I'm going to run away. And that's what he does at the end of stories. And so they're, you know, it's just a device during six or classic who to be like, we don't know how to finish a story. (laughs) And now it's like, oh, this is actually a character trait of the doctor that we can use (laughs) to like explore his pathos. Did anyone else get bothered that? in comparison to the beginning of the story to the end of the story that like the colony was still just like happy clapping as normal even though they just found out that they were all brainwashed but they're like, now are they free. still brainwashed now they can do the thing they went there to do it's supposed to be a holiday camp um so like a place people go where there's like daily activities and like dances and dinners at night. The songs and the chanting makes so much sense now. Okay. Yeah. I was like, it's an over extravagant spa. Like, what is this? Wow. So like, so outside at all. Yeah. Outside they have those little houses that they're building. Like those are supposed to be like, um, little lodges for people to stay in. Oh. Okay. One thing that I don't really understand. How were they being brainwashed? Just speakers the, on the wall, bro. And the sleep gas. Where is the gas coming from? They're pumping it from the old shaft. Is yeah. it the macro de- gas? Yeah, the is macro. It the ma- so the, the macro gas that keeps the macro alive also brainwashes humans. To- That's... Totally different gas. Yeah, okay. no, there's a lot of gases going on here, bro. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a second. <laughs> if, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Okay, let's take zeros. <laughs> but it's also like hypnotic suggestion, right? That's when yeah, they're yeah. sleeping. Yeah. So the gas is to keep you sleeping while someone is very obviously talking very loudly into your ear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Janelle Hobbs and J. Christine H. says, This is only related to watching the reconstruction and not the animated version, which I have not yet, or which I have yet to watch in full. 
hey, if you need a copy, hit me up. I've got a lot. Uh, I really remember it being a well-realized colony, even without the visuals. It was clearly stylized off of dystopian fare like 1984, so it was easy to picture. It's also a really creepy story, even without the visuals. The sleep brainwashing scene and them hearing the real controller for the first time were standout moments. This serial further shows how much more manipulative and plotting the second Doctor is and how far he's or how he's far more willing to keep his companions in the dark, leaving them to investigate on their own on multiple occasions. Leaving them to investigate on his own on multiple occasions. We also really start to get a sense of who Jamie is, and we see how dedicated he already is to the Doctor. And to me, he is the first companion in Classic Who that I feel would never stop traveling with the Doctor unless they were forced. Barring Susan, of course, but I don't really count her since she's related to him. And she got yeeted yes. from the TARDIS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was yeeted. But yeah, a uh, lot of good stuff there. You already um, brought up, Sam, how how much better Jamie is in this story. And that that's kind of her point there. Maybe we got to watch the recon. I don't know. Alex and I were talking last night. We were having dinner with uh, Terry, and we were talking about, like, wishing that some of the ones we skipped were available and be like one day we're gonna have to go back and do these recons because there's so many stories in the 60s that we just haven't done (laughs) yeah but i want to get to the third doctor (laughs) i want to get to the 14th doctor (laughs) both of those things will happen one of them much sooner than the other the 14th will be sooner than the 13th. <laughs> because <laughs> they animated a shit ton of these stories. When we watched, um, I can't remember what it was, but we watched one recently that was like, oh, this is the one available second Doctor story I haven't seen. What the fuck was it? Or was it oh, first Doctor story? Anyway, there are, there are two more that I have that are animated that uh, I, I haven't seen because they came out like in the last year and a half. So I'm excited. One last tweet. BT Flippity Gigget at Your Cool 91. The story that asks, hey, aren't super controlling holiday camps kind of creepy? And they're totally right. Jamie and Polly get their moments to shine. Ben is way too okay with being mind controlled. <laughs> I believe someone has brought that up. And the doctor's bumbling but smart persona is perfected. Great story. Ben really dived into that brain control. Yeah. Just embraced it. <laughs> Every time well, then he came out of it, he's like, what's up, guys? <laughs> yeah, it was that. Yeah, no, it didn't cause any no trouble here. They did do, like, <laughs> a conflicted Ben for a teeny bit. The yeah. teeniest of When bits. he was fighting it, but then still buckled back into it again. I also really appreciated them showing just how ridiculously smart the doctor is when he figured out the formula mm-hmm. just by looking at the gauges. I, I love that yeah. scene. That yeah. was so good. Okay, and in the animated where he throws the water on and he's like, oh, this would be confusing now. They would get it all mixed up. And the guy was like, erase it. And he rubs it with <laughs> his arm. I laugh so hard. <laughs> I, I love the... He gives himself a 10 out of 10, and then the guy's like, oh, this is exactly right. He's like, really? And then erases the 10, he gives himself an 11 out of 10. (laughs) This doctor is so hilarious. He cheeky. Mm Mm-hmm. He's kind of, okay, he was a little bit dumb when they were all getting sent downstairs, and they're like, oh, 
doesn't someone have to be a manager? The guy that we haven't talked about, what's his name? Mo Medoc. Medoc. Medoc's like Yeah, we haven't mentioned him at all. Another <laughs> great actor. Like I would love to see this performance. Mm-hmm. Um and the and someone else is like, Oh no, the doctor's like, keep Polly up here. And they're like, No, shouldn't you stay up here? So you can figure it out? He's like, oh, he's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I am the main character of this show and the smartest one who always saves the day. I guess, yeah, I should do that. I just rolled my eyes at that part. I love. There's a bit of the animation that always throws me where the doctor gives Polly a key to, like, lock that control room because people are trying to get in. Why she does grabs- she say No. She grabs the keys, runs over to the door, stares at it, and then runs back to him and goes, they're just going to get in anyway. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but we'll save ourselves some time. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I, wa- I really want to know what actually happened in that scene because right? there's no way she just ran over to the door and stared at it. Okay. But it's just like a silent bit of the audio. So like, we have to animate something in here. I'd even think of there being like an obstacle of some sort. I was just like, that was the dumbest thing Polly has ever said. <laughs> or it, it could have just been something like he tossed her the keys and she dropped them and like bent over and picked them up and then was like, but won't they just get in anyway? Like the fact that they like there's just something where maybe she was six feet away and he like had to go over and give her the keys or something, but they just do nothing in the animation but have her just do the it's twice I've seen this now and twice that just super throws me every time. Yeah, that yep, agreed. That was weird. Midhawk was super fun character to watch of just how fighting against everything and then in the end he was eaten by crabs that's like the only person that i've seen eaten by crabs it was really sad i've seen i've seen at least a dozen people eaten by crabs in my lifetime so weird get with the program yeah yeah, but you're a nurse (laughs) (laughs) you work in the crab unit (laughs) (laughs) wow doxed doxed hard (laughs) Didn't a guy get eaten by crabs and pirates? That is the first thing I thought of. There, <laughs> there's a part where he's having like a dream scene and he's like being carried by crabs. Hey, Terry. Hey, what? Uh, Give us some nonsense to, you know, whatever shit you haven't said yet. Oh. I like the explosion. That was pretty fun. What explosion? The explosion at the end when the doctor oh, had been turned the of things yeah in like the crab cage uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> the crab <laughs> cage <laughs> the crabs are just like in a full panic and they can't even stop it from happening what kind right. of setup do they have here i i love when they're panicking and it's like it's like the wizard of oz and they're like no no don't listen to him he's he's <laughs> a maniac no don't do that and then like his voice oh, starts cracking that's a perfect comparison <laughs> <laughs> Two Wizard of Oz comparisons, because like the scene we don't don't get to see where they're going through like the refurbishment zone, like and they're getting like buffed and new clothes and new haircuts. That's totally like when they first get to Emerald City and they're getting all scrubbed down and bows in their hair. Oh yeah, kind of bummed that the Doctor never figured out that uh, um, when he was trying to figure out the gas. And everything, like, he had that vial, but then never went back to it. So I don't know. Or was that part of the calculations that he the was doing? The one that he just put in his pocket? Yeah. 
<laughs> well, at one point, Polly asks like how it's going, and he's like, "Not very good." So maybe like he just has to change his thinking, and he goes from like working on the gas to working on like the pipe system and the pressure system. Yeah, but I love how it's all these super complicated calculations, and it's just like, "Well, there's a input and an output. Let's flip them." Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, ridiculous that's easy always, solution. That's always the game plan. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, reversing the polarity. <laughs> yeah. Is this the birthplace of that uh, theory? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. First time I've seen it that I can think of. Yeah, I I really loved the just the headshot of um, the controller on the big screen and like not moving his mouth or anything. That made me think of um, Wizard of Oz, too. Of just the big giant head not yeah, doing yeah. anything. And yeah, it was just great. Yeah, it starts out all imposing and giant and ends with like screaming and fear. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then just like the mixing in of the how the happy camp was with like your band majorettes and all the cheering and stuff and the crazy happy music. On top of all of this, like, sinister, parasitic life that's happening underneath. I thought that was just brilliantly written and shot and everything. And the- yeah, you just described capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked great for, the, for them. Um, and specifically the retail industry, of which you are a cog. <laughs> yes. I, I am one of the happy makers. (laughs) So, and I do like the writing in that aspect of creating this environment. I think the thing that was Mm -hmm. catching me at the beginning of this episode is like, there's not, there's not a group of people that is being infiltrated. Like we, we saw on the moon base, like the Cybermen were coming from the outside to take over. Whereas this is already taken over. Like what's the issue here? Everyone's happy. Ter- Terrence Dix, uh, who will be a script editor for a large chunk of the 70s and a contributor in the 80s, he always says, like, there's there's like three types of Earth stories you can tell. There's um, base under siege or like an attack from within or an attack or he's like an attack from within, an attack from without or aliens <laughs> like that. That's it. And so this is basically like an attack from within, like showing up to a place that's already under control. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've seen it once with the, you know, Dalek invasion of earth, uh, but that's very overt and, you know, showing you right away where this is like, like beneath the surface. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I really like this writer. I really like the war machines. I think I liked it more than any of you guys did. Uh, but that was like the first time in Hartnell's era that it felt like, or apart from Dalek Invasion of Earth, that it felt like they were in London and like really having an adventure in a city. And it felt like it had this scope, even though it wasn't like um, a wildly ambitious. Yeah. And this this is his last one. We won't get any more from him. He also did The Savages, which we won't be able or which we skipped. We're not going to be watching. Mm. But uh, people like that one. I found a fun little fact about our Ola character. Um, He had another cameo in Doctor Who earlier in the Romans. As he... Uh, Who's Ola? uh, Oh, shoot. What's his name? 
George Gerten Klubar. Oh, the uh, the security guard. Yeah, guy? he was the galley master in the Romans. I think oh. when uh, Ian was being sold. Yeah. Yeah. So he would be oh. he would be like the guy who was whipping them when they were rowing the boat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that probably would have been it. Oh yeah, that dude yeah. was kind of chunky. Oh yeah. Yeah. Huh. You guys want to do some fun facts? Oh, I'm so fun sorry. <laughs> I just did one. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anyone's wondering why Sam and Cody haven't talked a while, we lost them on our internet connection. They're just gone. They might be talking in their Audacity recording, but uh, we'll we'll see. So, I started kind of tracking the ratings. Because we do kind of fall off. Like, the second Doctor's era, ratings-wise, is not successful. And, you know, the first story had the Daleks, so we're, we're it's really successful. It's in that, like, 10.5 to 11.5 million viewers per episode zone. We've kind of dropped off a bit. The last story, the moon base, was, like, kind of right in that 8 million per episode, which is, like, crazy numbers today. Like, like... And every NBC executive would suck every dick in America if they could get 8 million t- people to watch anything. <laughs> um, like, The Last of Us season premiere was a wild success because it got like 5.4 million views. The season finale got 35 million, by the way. Damn. Anyway. Uh, but the ratings for this, episode 1, 8.0 million. Episode 2, 7.9. Episode 3, 8.5. Episode 4, 8.4. So... It kept, and again, we're we're in March into the very beginning of April, so there's no, like, big holidays or anything, but maybe those first two weeks, it was nicer outside. We're getting into springtime, and uh, but those second two weeks, we're gaining half a million, but we're kind of, we're kind of locking into, like, the core fan base is around that eight million mark, and bigger than that is a coup, and smaller than that might be a problem, so we'll kind of see how that goes. Moving on. At 40 years, the Macra are the third longest monster slash alien, or third longest interval between appearances on the show for a monster or an alien. The time between this and Gridlock was 40 years. Wow. Wow. And it wasn't even like... uh, Like, is Gridlock even like a... What am I trying? A sequel, I guess. Like, is that no. a continuation? No, no. In okay. fact, they're a devolved version of the macro. But was it because uh, it was just, they got everything so automated? It's because it was a story about gas. Like, there was well, just a lot yeah. of carbon dioxide or carbon monoxide, and RGD was just like, I can use this as like uh he used it as like a um a little tease for the fans like oh you're going to see a monster you haven't seen since the 60s and everyone's like oh shit but like what's it going to be knows the macro um the other two monsters and aliens that have had longer intervals between appearance are the great intelligence which minor spoiler we will see during the second doctor's era <gasps> and they come back during the Matt Smith and Jenna Coleman time um, Matt Smith's last season and Alpha Centauri which will show up a couple times during Pertwee's era um, showed up uh, somewhere in uh, or is during um, that what what's it called 
the Ice Warriors story that's on Mars with oh, Capaldi. Waters of Mars? Nope, no. with Capaldi. Ice Warriors, it's... Uh... Is, that's not the one in the sub. Nope. I'm back. Yay! Hey! All the kids okay? One of them. <laughs> one of them was just murdered by his father oh no <laughs> nah we're nice around here we're just going through some fun facts um, this is the last four part story that is incomplete that means two things one we're getting near the end of the time when we're missing stories because we have everything from the beginning of the third doctor on Two, not a lot of four-parters left. Mostly longer serials, so apologies in advance. <laughs> Do we know why they changed to that format? I'm sure there's... Like, Ennis Lloyd will end up having reasons, or whoever takes over next. But, I mean, kind of during this time, it's really just based on the story and the scripts. And... If they, you know, if they require longer times, they get them. But I think, especially during this time, I mean, we had a very successful like twelve part epic during Hartnell's era, and we're gonna get a ten part story during Troughton's era. Maybe they're just like kind of feeling feeling that uh, length, and you know, if it's a good story, you know, it might be worth it to give you know, two, two and a half, three months devoted to a story. Right. Okay. I don't know. I, ha I haven't read all the history books on Doctor Who, of which there are so fucking many. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's only one copy of the Macro Terror, the original prints, that have not been confirmed to have been destroyed. And it was sent to a studio in Hong Kong, or a broadcaster in Hong Kong. They had another story that was recovered, uh, at some point and the fact that this one wasn't found along with that one means that either it was destroyed and not documented set to a different country and not documented or someone took it mm. so there might be a copy out there somewhere literally one that is possible to exist wow so things things will never happen no <laughs> I mentioned before, this is the beginning, the first four of a 17-episode run of animated episodes. So we're, we're going to get some animations coming up here. Uh, I wrote down some changes that they made in the animated version. The episode begins with the final scene from the moon base. That does not happen in the original. Um, the refreshing department scenes are removed. Polly getting her haircut, all that we talked about. Um, all characters other than Ben keep their same clothes through the whole story. That does not happen in the original. When they go to the refreshing department, they get new clothes. Um, Polly is picked up by the macro when attacked. That doesn't happen in the original. The macro have legs. They do not in the original. <laughs> um, I could have guessed are... both of those. <laughs> yeah. There are three female characters in this story that are in the animation. They just make the same person. <laughs> They do not bother differentiating between women in the animation. 
Oh, that must uh, have been like a money saving device, like yeah, le- like less models. Yeah. There's loads of macro in the animation. They had one <laughs> in the story. You know when Ben and Polly are being chased, like they shoot it to make it look like there's multiple, but they only had one puppet. So there are never any shots of showing more than one at a time. Um, and we mentioned it, the scene of everyone dancing away, the final scene that was left out. I bet Polly can throw down. She was probably putting out some moves. Right? And uh, <laughs> some, some of the podcasts I listened to this week, it, it seems like, or they make it seem like Polly's like kind of into Jamie. And Ben is clearly into Polly. And so we we got like this little bit of a love triangle. I mentioned last time during the moon base when Ben and Jamie kind of get into it for like, oh, you're just trying to show off in front of the girl. Uh, that that doesn't come up again. Oh, and it, I think I think it would be a fun dynamic of like, hey, we we're all on this crazy trip and there's two boys and one girl like we're going to fight over it. When in reality, they should all just climb into bed together. And I think that would be the best episode <laughs> yeah. of Doctor Who we've ever had. But that was the whole vibe for the beginning when, like, Jamie came out with the stick. Like, he was being all man bravado. And then when, uh, oh no, Ben went and tackled the other guy. It's like, they're just, like, yeah. two males showing themselves off for Polly. Like, that's all that is. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think in the scenario I just suggested, I think that's just the plot of Ituma Tambien, which is, everyone knows, is the sexiest movie of all time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Especially according to Brett Goldstein's podcast, uh, Films to Be Buried With. <laughs> the things you learn by listening to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> hey, go watch Ituma Tambien. It's fucking hot as fuck. Um... <laughs> Alex. Yeah. Who's your MVP? Mm, I'm gonna say I'm between uh, Ben and Jamie. I think I'm gonna go Jamie. Just so you're Polly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go say Jamie. Again? I'm gonna go Jamie just because his uh, like this is like his come out story and he nailed it. Like so Fraser Fraser Hines or yeah. just yeah, the yeah. okay, uh, Cody. Cody is no longer with us. Terry, I have the same dilemma that Alex has, but I'm also going to go Fraser Hines. Ooh, I'm going with Ian Stewart Black for all the writer for all the reasons I said earlier. Um, I love War Machines. I love this story. There's obvious similarities, but the the writing is there and if anything let it down it's just the limitations of television in the 60s and this animation kind of shows what could have been done and uh i, I think it's great jamie mccrimmon <laughs> three to one jamie mccrimmon mr mr jamie mccrimmon <laughs> for next time we have alex Another banger. Yeah. The fa- the faceless ones. Mm. It's six episodes. Is it animated? It is almost entirely animated. There 
episode one and three are exist. They are exist, huh? They are exist. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's our our full team, Doctor, three companions. It takes place at an airport. It's very diehard too. Super fun. Uh, Episodes one and three are live action. Two, four, five, and six are animated. I'm excited for this one. Give yourself some extra time to watch it because it is six episodes. I'm excited. I I hope you're excited. Anything else anyone wants to add, excluding Terry? Alex, do the song. (laughs) (laughs) This has been Married to Who, our episode on the Macro Terror. If you'd like to participate with tweets and such, you can do so at Married to Who Pod on Twitter. We have an Instagram. It's Married to Who on Instagram. We also have a website. If you want to listen to any of our old-ass episodes, Spotify and such only keep our 100 most recent ones. That's MarriedToWho.com. And uh, one day I will make it a little prettier looking and easier to navigate. On behalf of myself, Jake, Cody, Sam, Jill, Alex, and our producer Terry, thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for The Faceless Ones. Bear <laughs> <laughs>